Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacket Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. So this is Afternoon Pancakes, brought to you by Stampede Blue, part of SB Nation. Today we're going to be discussing the Colts' ideal 53-man roster, our projected 53-man roster as we head into training camp. And I, Jared Malott, am sitting here with my friend, Stephen Reed. Sir, how are you today? I'm doing well today. How are you doing? I'm just blessed to be here and we know it. So... Let's talk about kind of what we were shooting from the hip earlier is talking about a traditional 53-man roster first, and then we'll kind of say this is what kind of what the Colts did last year, and then we'll talk about what we're going to do this year. Cool? Yeah, that sounds like a plan. So, brother, tell, tell our fans what, do, what, does, what does a 53-man roster typically look like, and we're just speaking in terms of position players. Go ahead. All right, sounds good. Yeah, for a typical 53-man roster, you're looking at uh, 24 offensive players and then about 26 defensive players. And then you've got three special teams players. Okay. The three special teams players, obviously your kicker, your punter, your long snapper. Uh-huh. Those are, those are pretty simple to break down. Um, it's same for every team. Now in offense, typically the breakdown is a quarterback. You usually carry two running backs. You carry four wide receiver. You're the typical team carries Five to six. Normally, there are six um, based on having guys available for special teams, whether it be a kick returner, punt returner, uh, that kind of thing. On your typical tight end uh, position in the roster, teams uh, will carry three, and then the typical offensive line will carry nine. Mm-hmm. Um, now, when you flip over to the defense, the defensive line position, which is for the traditional 4-3 defense, uh, would include your defensive end and your defensive tackle position. Those guys, okay. usually you'll have about nine of those. Okay. And then in the linebacker position, you'll usually have about seven. Okay. And then in the DBs, which is your left cornerback, right cornerback slot, slot or nickel corner, your free safety and your strong safety, you'll usually carry about 10 players there. And so that's kind of the, the general breakdown. you got two quarterbacks, four running backs, six wide receivers, three tight ends, and nine offensive linemen on offense. On defense, you have nine defensive linemen, seven linebackers, and 10 defensive backs. Okay. Now that we've kind of gone through what a traditional 53-man roster with a 4-3 defense looks like, how is the Colts roster last year just a little different from a traditional roster? All right. So the Colts roster last year, they kept two two quarterbacks. Mm -hmm. They kept four running backs. So that's all pretty standard. Yes. Now, once you got to the wide receiver, tight end, and offensive line position, they kind of broke down a little bit differently. So the wide receiver position, the Colts only capped five. And that's one of those things where we'll make a huge impact on this year and any kind of roster projections that we have. 
Uh, at the tight end position, they kept four instead of what normally is kept as three. And then at the offensive line position, they kept 10, where you would normally keep nine. Now, both of those situations, the, the tight end one actually makes a lot of sense that they kept more tight ends than wide receivers. The reason is Frank Reich and Nick Sirianni run a lot of t- multiple tight end sets. And so they basically used, for example, last year, Eric Ebron as more of a hybrid tight end wide receiver, lining mm-hmm. him up in the slot more often than not and having him run run deeper routes. And so keeping that fourth tight end made a lot of sense. If you remember the start of the season, Jack Doyle lined up a lot at that, the halfback position as well. And so or the um, that lead blocker position uh, and luck would would motion him back for pass protection purposes. The offensive line, um, typically you'll, you'll see a team keep nine. Last year, the Colts kept 10. I think th- a lot of this was, was partly due to the Anthony Costanzo injury uh, last year. If you remember last year going into training camp, going into the season, Costanzo missed some time uh, with, with different uh, leg injuries. And he didn't come back until, I believe, the Jets game, mm-hmm. uh, which was week six. Um, and then after that, you saw the offensive line really start to gel and really, really start to play well. This year going in, the offensive line doesn't have that same kind of issue in terms of injury or in terms of, of uncertainty either. Uh, right. The time last year, we didn't know who was going to be the right tackle. Uh, now we clearly have Braden Smith. We didn't know who was going to be the right guard. We now clearly have Mike, Mark Lewinsky. Right. So it gives us a lot of options there. Now, Last year, when you flip over to the defense last year, the Colts on the defensive line kept nine defensive linemen, kept six linebackers and 10 defensive backs. And so that goes pretty standard. So it looks like based on the the numbers is the defensive line was the same as what you would expect. Same thing with the defensive back. The linebackers were actually one less than what you would expect. And so instead of keeping seven, they kept six. They use that extra linebacker spot and put it towards the offensive line um, and, and was able to keep keep guys there. Special teams, like I said before, those things are, are pretty equal. So you're going right. to keep three regardless. So here's what here's what I think I saw. OK. Yep. The Colts had a dearth of talent at wide receiver last year and they had excess of talent at tight end. So from my perspective, they kept five wide instead of six because they didn't have as much talent at the position. They kept four tight ends instead of three because similarly in a similar vein as well, Sirianni and Reich want to run an 11 personnel set like 60 percent, 65, 70 percent of the time. Right. 11 personnel is too tight. Right. Am I crazy? That what that's Do I? I think it's called 11 personnel when you run a two tight end. Isn't that called 11? Um, I'm crazy. But they I have, think you're they, crazy. But. I'm probably crazy. I thought it was called 11. Um, but, yeah, the, the two tight end set, we, ha- we have a lot. I think that's 12 personnel. Is it 12? Probably 12 because Luck's number 12. Um, so with the two tight ends, you have two super talented tight ends, Jack and Eric. And then you just had – you know, in so many words, you just had T.Y. In terms of rapport with Andrew Luck, like, it makes sense there. And then as far as the offensive line, they kept one extra similarly because you said, well, Anthony Costanza was injured. But, again, there was also a lot of questions about the talent that we had in the offensive line. So keeping one extra dude kind of feeds that notion. And then similarly, 
what we say that the Colts kept uh, five corners. Most teams keep six. So I think we had, the Colts kind of thought they had the right personnel there. And, I, and it showed through with the secondary play last year was better than expected, right? Yeah. Yeah. And then at, at times. At times. Yeah, right. At times. And, and we all know your whole life's a 50-50, right? So uh, this year, so what we're going to talk about today is kind of how do we feel going, you know, we're at the, we're at outset here. We're at the beginning of training camp. Uh, we, we've got very few people uh, injured, right? Like, so as far as I can remember, there's only one guy, one, it's just Spencer, Spencer Ware, Spencer right? Ware, yeah. Yeah, and, and he is a guy that is new to the new to the program, had a little bit, bit of an injury, and also is not slated as a starter anyway. He's a, a backup running back. So where Colts are, in terms of health, are at the, at the at, near the acme of where you could hope to be going into training camp, right? Everybody's here and healthy and playing. Uh, and they'll keep, they'll, you know, some guys aren't going to get all the reps early, but I think we're, we're, we're healthy and that's where we're starting, right? And that's what we hope to maintain. Yeah, for clarity, 12 personnel is one running back, two tight ends. And okay. that's why I thought 11 is one running back, one tight end. You always go off, your first number is your run, number of running backs on the field. Your second number is the number of tight ends. So it is 12, my bad. Yeah. All right. So obviously Colts are going to keep two quarterbacks, right? Jacoby yep. Brissett, Andrew Luck. That's like a that conversation's that, over. That's done. That was <laughs> the quickest conversation we've ever had on here. The best quarterback in the NFL, and then the best backup in the league, right? Yep. All right. So as far as running backs, we know Marlon Mack, Naheem Hines, Jordan Wilkins, Spencer Ware. Who else of of our stable of running backs? Colts related. Yeah, yeah. Um, who else do you see could be that fourth, maybe the 4A, 4B, Spencer Ware, and whom? See, here's the thing. With the running back position, I, I think we've, we've definitely got three locks on there with, with Marlon Mack, Naeem Hines, Jordan Wilkins. Yeah, absolutely. I'm not sure Spencer Ware is necessarily a lock at this point. Uh, for okay. one, he's on the pup list, so he's, he's got he's to come back first. And what the Colts could do in, in this situation is keep him on the pup list and let him start the season on the pup list. He gets the opportunity to come back week six and then see, you know, he gets a couple of weeks in there. Maybe, you know, God forbid an injury happens in the, in the first handful of games. And then you have Spencer Ware able to come back when he's ready. I think Jonathan Williams and Asis Ak and uh, Aka Cedric Ware, I hope I, I the pronunciation of names is, is kind of a, a I want to say great, Asa. Asa Cedric. Maybe that sounds good. Yeah. Um, but anyway, A-Ware is, yeah. is, is there. I don't think either of those guys really have a legitimate shot to make the roster. One okay. thing that I would say is I wouldn't bet against the Colts bringing in a running back that's not on the roster currently as that fourth running back. And the, the one that I'm really kind of thinking about is Jay Ajayi. He is a guy that has a lot of experience with Reich being over in Philadelphia. He's got a lot of talent as well. Mm -hmm. He was injured, and the Colts were one of the few teams, I think they might have been the only team that brought him in to kind of put some feelers out to see where he was going. And this was back during the free agency period uh, at the beginning. I want to say it was in April or May is when they they brought in Ajayi to have him kind of take a look around, and, and they were kind of kicking the tires on him. He just recently got uh, cleared for for contact, cleared for 
totally clear from his injury. So he should be looking to sign with the team team here soon. I wouldn't I wouldn't say that the I wouldn't bet that the Colts aren't interested. Um, that was a whole lot of double negatives there. I would <laughs> think that the Colts are interested in bringing in JHI if he's available and if he wants to come in. I think he might be uh, just as good of option as Spencer Ware there for the Colts as that fourth running back to start the season on the 53-man roster. I think bringing up JHI is, is an excellent point because if you think about how JHI complements running backs like Marlon Mack, Naheem Hines, and Jordan Wilkins. He's a big body, big people mover kind of running back. Exactly. That's a little bit of a bruiser. He would be great late season in bad weather and in the playoffs. Uh, and those are the kind of holes that the Colts would be looking to fill. If you look at the games the Colts struggled and games they should have been more competitive or won, and you know, as the Colts fans, we want to say, hey, we should win every game, right? We got great staff, great personnel. We should win every game. But you lose games when you're not prepared to play in the climate you're going to play in, and when the players, the personnel that you bring to that game, aren't game ready for those kind of sloppy, uh, snowy, rainy windy games uh that you're just you're anytime you're uncomfortable it's probably better to be able to run the ball with power is that probably fair yeah that's fair and and right now they don't even have that that traditional short yardage back right and so like yeah jordan jordan wilkins could probably do it marlon mack could probably do it um to a point but what you really want is that big bruising back and i think jay ajayi would be a great great player to bring in assuming he's healthy Right. to to come in and, and be that fourth running back on the Colts roster. Okay, so now let's talk about uh, wide receivers. Uh, obviously, we know T.Y. Hilton. Um, you've got a smattering of people behind T.Y. all vying for uh, some attention, right? We brought in mm-hmm. Devin Funches. You have uh, Deion Kane returning from injury. You have Paris Campbell you drafted in the second round. So you've got all kinds of things there. We've spoken before about saying, well, it's T.Y. and everyone else, and then the everyone else is probably either Paris Campbell or Devin Funches, right? Yeah. So we kind of, if we're going to say, hey, Mac, Hines, and Wilkins are our locks at running back, is it fair to say Hilton, Funches, and Campbell, barring injury, are probably locks at wide receiver? I would say out of the, the wide receivers, I had four that were really – kind of I thought were locks to make this roster and that was okay. T.Y. Hilton, Devin Funches, uh, Deion Kane, and Paris Campbell. Not right. in that order. I, I think sure. Campbell is going to be your third wide receiver um, and Kane's going to be your fourth. I, I do think that the Colts are really high on Deion Kane uh, mm-hmm. going into camp last year. He looked like the clear number two wide receiver right. last year prior to his injury. Uh, the Colts are, are doing a, a series on him and his recovery and everything. You don't do that with somebody that you think is a roster bubble player right? Um, because you want fans to learn about this guy and, and have that emotional connection. So then they start to really feel for this guy and, and love this team and love this player and, and how hard he's worked to come back to do a series like that only to cut him. Right. Really. It's, it seems it, like a waste of energy. Right? Yeah. It seems really illogical to me. Okay. And so I break so here- down and, what I did was the way that I looked at it is I'm looking at either five or six wide receivers. So I, I've okay. got right now one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine guys that are looking for one or two spots right. on this roster. And 
I, I break it down into your basic outside wide receiver and your slot wide receiver. Okay. And you've got Campbell, who's probably going to be a slot. And then you've got Chester Rogers and really Penny Hart are, are your three main slot options. And so if I were going to be a betting guy on this, I would say that one of the surprise cuts I could see this year was Chester Rogers mm-hmm. because Rogers mainly played out of the slot last year. He, his, his main focus, the main thing that, that he was able to, to bring to the table was his returnability. Right. But if I remember correctly, he kept calling for fair catches within the inside, like the five yard line. Right. And he would go and field balls that, that had no reason to be fielded. Right. And so I'm not even sure he was that great of a returner. Unless we're saying he didn't fumble, which is obviously really important. But at the same time, you want a guy that's going to make the right decision in the right situation. So I wouldn't be surprised to see Chester Rogers as a surprise cut um, because I think they've got other options in the slot because of Frank Gregg's offense and using that tight end, splitting them out into slot or Devin Funches, who, like we've said on past shows, was a perfect catch percentage in the slot from cam newton of all people of all people so here's i first um need to bring up uh the the recent focus of several conversations in Deion kane and i I would like (laughs) to tell the world about my exposure to Deion kane so uh i may uh along with you know everyone else at stampede blue i'm i may be a content creator centering my attention on the indianapolis colts but I always tell people, hey, I'm a football fan first, uh, and I especially enjoy college football. Okay, so just just to get it out there, when it comes to Deion Kane, when he was in college, who is his quarterback? You don't know who that is, and I don't know off the top of my head either. And the reason I'm bringing that up is I can tell I- you why, because two years ago when he was blowing up and everybody thought he was going to be a second round pick or three years ago when, when he was blowing up and everybody thought he was going to be a second round pick, it was Deshaun Watson. Right. That was his quarterback. Right. The, the year he came out, he had nobody. Exactly. Like that was before any of it happened. And, and all his numbers dropped and people were like, oh, well, what's going on with Deion Kane? I don't yeah. understand. It's because so, he was the only wide receiver and they had no quarterback. Well, here that's not true. Hold on. Well, Hunter so, Renfro. No, <laughs> Steve Ishmael. Steve Ishmael. Hold on now. Steve Ishmael went to Syracuse. Oh, I mean, I'm sorry, the wrong school. It's Clemson. Anyway, hold on. So yep. what I was saying about Deion Kane was every year Stampy Boo puts out its own, uh, like, um, we do a draft guide. And we do a lot of research on college players. And when you look at guys that you think are going to get drafted or have the talent to play in the NFL, the reason, that's the reason I brought up Steve Ishmael as a replacement, not same team, but a replacement player for Deion Kane. In that, when Steve Ishmael is in college, go watch his tape. He looks like a number one wide receiver. He's a big body, fast, catch the ball in traffic, all does all of the things. But who is was his quarterback? Nobody. So in terms of evaluating talent, I thought he was a draftable player. The reason I bring him up is because the Colts both interviewed Steve Ishmael and did not draft him, and he did not get invited to like take part in the team last year. So if you think about the difference between a guy like Deion Kane getting drafted in the sixth round and a guy like Steve Ishmael, who again possesses, uh, appears to us possess the skill set that is ad- like admirable at the position, doesn't even get drafted. 
it all comes down to uh, the success of that program. So like Clemson, of course, is on national television in primetime like every week. So guys like Deion Cain, even with a bad quarterback, still put up a highlight reel for a full season with not Deshaun Watson throwing to him. And then you think about coming to Indy with all that promise, right? The promise is just the opportunity. You just got drafted by an up an upstart uh small market, small to medium market NFL team, right? The expectations were middling for a six-round draft pick, but his performance in camp did not match his draft status, right? He did not play like a six-round draft wide, six round draft pick wide receiver. He played like a number two wide receiver on a competitive NFL team vying for a playoff spot. And for him to get injured and miss the whole season uh, is, of course, disheartening. His recovery has been uplifting and you're you're kind of proud to be a Deion Kane fan but it, it bears mentioning that Chris Shepard wrote an article in the last few days talking about hey great expectations the Deion Kane edition we we want a guy like Deion Kane to come in here and be that that spark plug kind of player the guy that he touches the ball and you swear to god lightning struck right you want that to happen but the reality is He's a six-round draft pick wide receiver coming off an ACL tear and hasn't played a down of competitive competitive football in the NFL. As opposed to the rest of that locker room, in terms of wide receivers, there there there's more talent there this year. So his position isn't guaranteed. And I just want to clarify, while we're all tossing out pejorative and opinions, that, hey, if somebody says, man, that's a tall mountain to climb for Deion Kane, it was a mountain the whole time. Right? It was going to be difficult for him to be a stud in the NFL because he's a six-round draft pick wide receiver, right? He yeah. was, wasn't drafted in the second round like Paris Campbell where the expectations are high, right? Look, I have high expectations for a guy like Paris Campbell. I didn't I didn't think about Deion Kane. I was thinking about another player that the Colts also were thinking about drafting that didn't even get drafted, and then the Colts took Deion Kane. So uh, when, we, when we talk about this wide receiver room this year, just remember we started out saying, like, we have – the world of a world full of hopes for Deion Kane, but the reality is the probability on paper doesn't look pretty. Uh, but that said, I have I have all the faith uh, to abuse that term lately. Uh, all the faith in the world in Chris Ballard and Frank Reich to just make the right decision, and that it may not it may not end up being uh, Deion, but it also may end up being Deion, right? Yeah. Well, and and here's the thing: when it comes to Deion Kane, based on like the numbers and his film in college, he probably should have gone a lot earlier. I'm not sure why he dropped to the sixth round. And I know that there's been a lot of, of discussion um, over Chris Shepard's article mm-hmm. and, and one of the comments on, he had on a, on a sister podcast of ours uh, yeah. over at Stampede Blue. And my, my thing is in general, mm-hmm. Chris Shepard is right. The yeah. round six wide receiver who misses the entire year based on injury doesn't always have a, a great opportunity to make the roster the next year or really contribute. Right. That said, I think Deion Kane is different. And I've said it from from the beginning. I think that he was he, he very well could be the steal of last year's draft, getting him in the sixth round. He's got great speed. He's got great size. Uh, he should have probably gone a lot earlier in the draft. The fact is he didn't. Um, right. Now, why that is, I'm not sure. You know, Maybe it was because he really excelled as a wide receiver, too, when he was opposite Mike Williams at Clemson. 
Right. Uh, and then when he became the, that alpha, that he no longer was able to to beat those top corners in, in college in the ACC. And, and maybe that's why. So, so maybe teams had some issues with it. But for me, I think that Deion Kane is pretty much locked to make the roster um, because he's got that speed. He's got that size. He's he's got that uh, playmaking ability that they really look for. Mm-hmm. And I think that he's one of those outliers um, from the situation because not everything can be tailored into just one small, you know, subset of, of data. Right. And they said Shepard's article was technically correct mm-hmm. as a general sense. There are always outliers. For there example, are. you don't find a, a lot of Hall of Famers in the sixth round, but you've got Tom Brady, who's going to be a Hall, Hall of Famer. You know, well, what's you the wide receiver at, that was drafted in the sixth round? That's, Antonio that's Brown. Antonio Brown's going to be a Hall of Famer drafted in the sixth He's round. He's going, and that was the next guy I was going to bring up, is that, <laughs> that you do have wide receivers drafted in the sixth round that, that do end up making it because they are drafted to the right situation, because they have the right work ethic, because they work hard, and they've got the right team and the talent around them, and, and the coaching staff to really put them in the right position to succeed. And I think that with Deion Kane, that's what you're going to get here um, this next year, assuming that he comes back fully healthy. And, so here, and that's the big assumption. I was just thinking about the like the Colts wide receiver room and specifically like the four players that we were talking about and thinking about, because, again, because I'm a college football fan, I go back and look at who was their quarterback in college, who was their quarterback prior to coming to the Indianapolis Colts. And specifically, I can say with certainty regarding Devin Funchess' time with Cam Newton, uh, with Eric Ebron's time with Matt Stafford, and again with uh, Deion Kane's, uh, like his coming out year, the year he was drafted, uh, the quality of quarterback play uh, on tape, so what you can actually see is a lack of touch. Uh, it's not that you can just throw a catchable ball or that you throw an accurate football. It's that it can is that ball catchable in a myriad of circumstances uh, is it arriving at the correct location at the correct time? Or are you throwing your uh, receiver into coverage? Are you trying to make, you know, they always say, like, don't throw your receiver dead, right? Oh, you don't, yeah. You don't, don't, don't you, hang them out to dry. Don't hang them out to dry. You don't leave that over the middle and let that safety mm. tee off, right? So one of the things that I'll say that I'm really looking forward to seeing, and it's not just Andrew Luck. In my opinion, Andrew Luck is a known commodity. You know exactly what you're getting out of him. The dude makes the right decision the majority of the time, and the football gets there when it's supposed to be there. He has touch. He can laser that football. He can throw it. He's got the arm. But he also has that mentality that sometimes I don't need to throw a rocket. Like I, Sometimes I need to get it over the linebacker, under the safety, right? So, And you saw that last year where the Colts were had that nuanced offense where he was throwing the ball all over the field in a myriad of ways. So one of the things to look forward to is those wide receivers – getting to play with Andrew Luck and seeing what they're capable of. So in terms of how I actually feel about guys like Deion Kane, man, if you really look at speed, awareness, and like the ability to like catch and run, and you look at T.Y. and, and Deion Kane and Devin Funches uh, and Paris Campbell, this team's going to ha- has the potential to just run up and down the field and not have to do it with a running back either. They've just got several wide receivers that are either an outright mismatch, Devin Funches, or are really good technicians, T.Y. Hilton. Uh, so they're just impossible to match up with perfectly. And I think that's another thing that we'll talk about as the season goes on. But what we're about to see out of the Colts is Andrew Luck have 10 targets, right? 10 legitimate offensive pass yeah. catchers 
and most teams only have a few, right? Most teams have a pass-catching tight end and a blocking tight end, so they don't even have two pass catchers. And then as far as running backs, a lot of teams only can support a single pass-catching running back. Why? Because they are spending all their talent at wide receiver and other positions. And then, like I said, if we've got four or five wide receivers that are great with the ball in their hands, are good at getting open, are you know good route runners, are, are getting that separation and, and not putting Andrew Luck in a position to give the ball away, right? So what I look forward to is seeing just a, an even more efficient version of last year's offense. Yeah, well, and the interesting thing is the wide receiver position itself is is deep for the most part in the Colts in terms of, of talent. So, like, it's it's really cool to finally have a year where, like, the bottom of the roster is where we're talking about cuts. And we're like, oh, who's going to make the team? We've got a lot of talent there versus being like, oh, who's going to make the team? Um let's uh who can who can play who who you know versus you know what what it's been in in years past um where it's been a little bit more difficult because there hasn't been talent at the bottom of the roster so like when i break down the wide receiver position you know you're looking at another one to two players out of the number of, of players of, of zach pascal Darius fountain marcus johnson steve ishmael and then you've got jordan Vesey, penny harden ashton doolin to me, I think they're going to try to stash Penny Hart and Ashton Doolin on the practice squad yeah. if, if they were going to make the, those options available. So you're looking at – and I, I think Jordan Vesey and Krishan Hogan are probably going to be cut. So for those last two – one to two roster spots, you're looking at some combination of Zach Pascal, Darius Fountain, Marcus Johnson, Steve Ishmael, and Chester Rogers. Chester Rogers has – you know, was able to do kick and punt return abilities, but he's out of the slot. So right. you've got a lot of options there. So in my mind, I'm probably looking at some combination of Zach Pascal, Darius Fountain, or Steve Ishmael as that those last two wide receiver spots, if they keep six. Uh, again, more likely than not, they're only going to keep five and keep another tight end and, and keep that fourth tight end versus keeping six wide receivers and three tight ends. I think they'll do five five wide receivers and four tight ends. And right. so m- more likely than not, I think they'll probably keep somebody like a Zach Pascal just because he offered uh, some utility on special teams in terms of uh, receiving, uh, being the, the punt returner and kick returner. Uh, I think if I, I'm really interested to see how Darius Fountain improved this year or if he improved. Wasn't he, wasn't he slated to start on Pup and then they pulled him? He Yeah, he originally was uh, going to be non-football injury list. So he wasn't uh, going to be Pup, uh, but he was still going to count against the 90-man roster. Right. And he got pulled like right the day of like they reported yesterday, I think. is So, so he was on there for like 12 hours um, and, and then got pulled off of it. And so probably I'll went to Frank Reich and was like, don't, don't do that. Like, I'm good. I'm already, I'm ready to go. Like, I don't want to be on any list. Dog. There's only one, there's only one person mm-hmm. on a list. I don't want to be the only person on a list. Right. Yeah. So, um, transitioning into tight ends again, last year Colts kept four and this year we talked about, Hey, we're probably going on the same road. And we all, we all, these are a known commodity, right? Jack mm-hmm. Doyle is the one Eric Ebron was the one alpha, was the one, one, B. Alpha, one B, one alpha because Jack Doyle didn't play most of the year. Uh, and then beyond that, it's Mo Ali Cox, and then 
Uh, then you've got Ross Travis and then yeah, Gabe Ross Holmes Travis. and Hale Hintages. Um, I think, and then um, you also have Billy Brown. I think Billy Brown, Hintages, and Holmes are all going to get cut. Yeah. And the, the the tight end position is is pretty simple to me. It's yes. going to be Doyle, Ebron, Allie Cox, and Travis if they keep four. Right. They only keep three. You're looking at Doyle, Ebron, and Allie Cox. Right. Um, I again, like last year, I think they could they could keep four tight ends and they they'd likely keep Ross Travis. Uh, because he also is is versatile, similar to Jack Doyle, how it, how it goes, and that would cut off a, a position from the wide receiver position. So it, you you end up having to do that balancing game on are you going to keep you know the extra wide receiver or are you going to you know keep that extra tight end now? And this isn't necessarily a one to one thing because they could, for example, keep six linebackers again this year. And then keep an extra wide receiver. So they could keep six wide receivers, four tight ends, but only six linebackers like they did in the last year um, and just increase that. And it it makes a lot of sense to do that just because they've got some some good talent at wide receiver and they might be worried that somebody's going to pluck them uh, off the waivers or they're not going to be able to get them over to the practice squad. That's what I was kind of thinking as you were talking there, as I was thinking, well, we have Devin Funches now, which is, in my in my eyes, Eric Ebron and Darren Funches, Devin Funches, are kind of filling the same role, the big body mismatch. Uh, you can split them, move them around in your offense, and they've got a lot of utility because not only are they good athletes, but also big boys. So you can use them in, in the red zone. Uh, you mm-hmm. use them on third down. Uh, so my brain is telling me the Colts are going to keep uh, like six or seven wide receivers and maybe – because it's 10 I think they'll total. keep six. I think yeah, they'll so keep six, six wide receivers. Six and three, and maybe maybe it's that defensive line or maybe that linebacking group that, or maybe that, that secondary that gets that extra guy. So I, I'm kind of thinking with, with Devin Funches and Eric Ebron, like in terms of your pass-catching big people, that would lead me to want to keep like five super athletic wide receivers and then Devin Funches, right? Well, that, and here's the other thing to consider at the wide receiver position is – uh, the reason why – another reason why I think they might keep six is Devin Funchess is on a one-year deal. And so he's not going to be here next year, and you don't want to necessarily have – put those guys, for example, a Dries Fountain. Like if he has progressed, like you hope he's progressed in this offseason, because realistically he was very raw prospect coming out of – I think it was Northern Iowa last year. And so he needed – a full year of really kind of NFL training and everything like that. And so to have him come in and if he shows out, you don't want to put him at risk. And right. if you can, you, you can get away with worth running at six linebackers again, or instead of having 10 offensive linemen, you keep it down at nine. Yeah. That gives you that extra position that you can swing over uh, to the wide receiver position. So transitioning into the offensive line, Obviously, the Colts are in a, in a really good position in terms of starting five offensive linemen, returning all five stars all last back. year. That that helped Andrew Luck stay on his feet and get rid of the football and not take as many of those hits and not put his body at risk, which is what was the prior problem, right, was that mm-hmm. reckless abandon that Andrew Luck and Russell Wilson are kind of known for specifically is it, is it going to shorten your career. It's going to cause injuries that you you wouldn't be having. You know, there's, there's a reason guys like Tom Brady, Peyton Manning, and Ben Roethlisberger play for 20 years. It's because they're upright and they're, throwing, they're getting rid of the ball and they're not taking big hits like a dozen times a game. Um, yeah. So the, 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 the five offensive linemen we have – 
uh, Costanzo, Nelson, Kelly, Golinski, and Smith, and then you're probably going to keep a back, just about a backup at each position, right? Or uh, as many utility I, offensive linemen as possible is what I, I would think do. that what they would do is right now on their depth chart they've got at the left tackle position they've got Costanzo. Obviously, that's a that's a keep. Raven Clark has apparently played very very well, um, or has has grown a lot. Um, um, Chris Ballard yesterday uh, just unprompted brought brought up Laverne Clark and, and how well he's done this offseason. So hopefully he can take over that left tackle spot um, as uh, as the backup. Mm-hmm. And then you've got Evan Bame, who is going to be that backup at the center position because you need that with Ryan Kelly and his injury history. And then Joe Haig, I think, is another lock as a backup to make the roster. And he's a, one of those swing guys. So right. you've got eight guys right there that, that you kind of, at least in my opinion, you feel like are, are dead on locks to make the roster in Costanzo, Nelson, Kelly, Glowinski, Smith, Clark, Bame, and Haig. And then you look at, you know, adding another player or two in there. Do you, do you keep an extra right tackle in Jamarcus Webb? Do you keep, you know, a, um, <clears throat> Antonio Garcia? And the, and the interesting thing with Garcia is that he is suspended for the first four games of the season. And so if, but you have to keep him on the 53 man roster and then he gets suspended. So then you open up that roster spot. What I think they might do at that position is keep Antonio Garcia at the start of the roster at the start of the 53, the next day he gets put on the suspended list. They bring in Jackson Barton to come in as that extra offensive lineman. I think they're probably going to cut Andrews and Eldrin camp, and uh, Munier and Poles, and that's kind of where my head's at on it. Is they're going to keep nine offensive linemen? Yeah, um, you could probably do that 10. as opposed to ten from last year because uh, there's not as much question at the position, and you're looking more for versatility and like high quality backups. So those guys, those guys get banged up. You know, one of the things that'll be really neat to see is if the Colts are if Colts offense is just as consistent or maybe a little more consistent last year, and the defense takes a little another little step forward, you could see the opportunity for the Colts to start to rest players in game, right? And that mm-hmm. and that would be ideal. I think just think about Andrew Luck getting free series a game and it doesn't have to be that starting five offensive line and those guys get to take a take a step off the field let a backup get in there and get some reps and not be worried about the quality of play right just keeping guys fresh is something i always is always on my mind the injuries and and the fatigue over a 16 game season season plus playoffs is just it's it's a lot to put a football player through. I mean, if you think about the most people never play football outside of high school, most people are used to playing like 10 games and the playoff starts and you only got to win like six, seven games to win a title. If you think compare high school football with NFL football, if you win a state title in high school, that's a full NFL season. That's mm-hmm. just the season. That doesn't count the playoffs. It's another four games you got to win to win a Super Bowl. So in terms of the NFL, that's a 20-game season to win a Super Bowl. That's a lot of football. Um, so I, I get it. It's kind of an asinine thing to say, like you would take a starter out in the middle of a blowout. But if you really do think about it, like what if the Colts are up 38 to nothing on the Tennessee Titans, right? And you're thinking like, yeah, you probably just pull Andrew Luck and let it. And yeah, you kind of you want to get, get, get some reps. Yeah. I, I still don't think you probably change out the offensive line necessarily because those guys just love to play and love to hit. 
Yeah. And so I think that that's one of the handful of positions that, that you don't really want to, to make those changes if you don't have to. Um, sure. Even even on the, the fact that you do want to kind of give them rest where you can. Um, yeah. But I think you can give them rest during the week um, sure. more so, especially if they are coming back as a full offensive unit. Yeah. Um, it makes a lot more sense to me to, to give them rest during the week rather than in, in game and potentially risk getting you know, some kind of miscommunication and getting luck hit or brissette hit when he doesn't necessarily have to be. Yeah, I really like the Colts' approach with T.Y. Hilton in that they, you know, they didn't really, they weren't really were trying to keep tread on the tires as much as possible. And I would try to apply that. Like if I have entrenched starters on offense and defense, I don't. I want you to work as hard as you can, get better every day. I follow all that mantra and that T-shirt, that T-shirt you're selling. But the reality is, like, it's just a long season. The Colts are are a known quantity now, right? That we haven't hit our ceiling. But people kind of established that the baseline is Andrew Lux winning 10 games and then putting another four in question uh, every season. Um, so I guess you're probably right with that in mind. You're really not going to rest the starting offensive lineman and let Andrew Luck play. That said, though, let's look at the defensive line and kind of figure out where, where are we kind of looking as far as, uh, you know, your pass rushers and your, and your big boys chewing up space in the middle. Yeah, so the defensive line position, um, I have nine guys that I think are – eight guys that are really kind of locks, and, and typically you keep nine guys uh, on your traditional roster. They kept nine guys last year. So at the defensive end position, I had Jabal Shear, Justin Houston, um, Ture, uh, Kamopa Ture, Ben Bonagu, and Al-Kadim Muhammad as my five defensive ends that I think are going to get kept, and that seems pretty safe to me um, as, as kind of locks to make the roster. I think – They'll probably try to um, keep Jerry Green on the roster if they can, um, because I, I think that he might get get swooped up. I think they'll if they can't, they'll probably try to move him over to the practice squad. Same thing with uh, Carol Phillips, is they'll probably try to to move him to the practice squad. The Obama Guachum is the one guy that I think is probably going to be a pretty clear cut unless he shows out at camp. Uh, when you move the defensive tackle position, I think this actually kind of gets pretty interesting because you've got um, Danico Autre and um, <clears throat> and Lewis uh, there, Taekwon Lewis, as your starters, and Marcus Hunt. And those are three guys that I think are, are pretty much locks. Then you've got Grover Stewart, who is an interesting player um, because he hasn't – he's shown some some quality in his play, but he hasn't, like, shown out like you would kind of expect. And then you've got a guy like Jihad Ward, who's coming back from injury, who in the handful of games he played, he had three sacks from that defensive and defensive tackle position. And so I lumped um, Jihad Ward as the defensive tackle, um, kind of more as that that shoot, that shoot um, gap shooting defensive tackle. And I think he really has an opportunity to make the roster, potentially over Grover Stewart, if, if that's an option. And then yeah, Karan Reed, I think, will probably be cut. And then Sterling Shippey, I think, is a guy who could could make the roster as a kind of a surprise um, guy to make the roster, but is more likely going to be tried to be stashed on the practice squad. I think Shippey's got a lot, a lot of potential, um, but he came out of such a small school and he needs some he needs some time to really develop. And so that's okay. that's where I'm I, I want to say it's like Alcorn State or some like really tiny school. But he's got a lot of really great qualities uh, to his game that they could really, really do well in this system. Yeah, we get to say that this is the best uh, set of pass rushers the Colts have had since the Mathis Freeney days, right? 
Yeah, I would say. Well, and I would say that it's the best depth they've had from from one right. to five, one to six. Because, yeah, you had Freeney and Mathis, which is great, but they didn't have the depth behind them. So, like, for example, in the Super Bowl against the Saints, once Freeney went down, like, there was not a lot to go on in terms of the pass rush because they could just focus on the other side. Um, and so that was – I think that this depth they have have now at the defensive end position – is a lot better than what they've had in the past, at least in, in my memory. Right. So now we look at linebackers. Uh, another one of the positions that, yeah, we've got, we got Darius Leonard, arguably one of the best linebackers in the NFL, and then Anthony Walker played really well last year. And then talk to me outside of that. So the linebacker position, you the typical 3-4-3 four, uh, four, defense um, that the Colts are going to run, you're going to have that strong side, middle, and weak side linebacker. Uh, typically, your NFL roster keeps seven. Mm-hmm. Of those last year, the Colts kept six. I think they'll probably keep six again this year. And the middle linebacker position is Anthony Walker. And then the weak side is obviously Darius Leonard. Now, the strong side is where it's going to be interesting. You've got Zaire Franklin and Matthew Adams um, right now that are kind of penciled in as that strong side. I mm-hmm. think what will end up happening is Bobby Okariki will take that strong side spot because they've mm-hmm. got their linebackers are so versatile mm-hmm. in terms of what they can do. And they don't really they don't necessarily need that big bulking linebacker that can really go in and and make that hit. What they'd rather have is have that length on the field. So no matter what, you've got guys that have longer arms that can get up to tip balls and and create those turnovers that maybe a guy that's a little slower can't. So you've got, I do think Zaire Franklin and Matthew Adams make the roster, um, but I think they might. So those are your fifth and sixth to Okariki, Banigou, Walker. No, I don't have Leonard. Ban. I have Banigou at defensive end. Oh, okay, um, okay, okay. Yeah, I've got that's, what that's what they're playing him, right? Yeah, they they mm-hmm. at first they they talked about playing Banigou as a strong side outside linebacker or a strong side linebacker, um, but ever since the first handful of practices, they've really kind of focused him on the defensive end position. Now that's not to say that they don't stand him up later in the year and, and use him more use him on the field a little bit more to try to run a package that's got more pass rushers. Um, but I think for your linebacker position, you've got Zaire Franklin, Matthew Adams, uh, Anthony Walker, Bobby Okariki, Darius Leonard, and EJ Speed are probably okay. going to be your six linebackers that I think are probably locks to make the roster. I think they'll probably try to take Sky Moore and put him back on the practice squad again. And then when it comes to like Ahmed Thomas and Trey Thomas, I think those guys are probably getting cut uh, at, at the end. So I think at the most they've got seven to that that are potential to make the roster but realistically i think they're probably only only going to keep six um like they have in the past okay and then i we could probably group the secondary cornerbacks and safeties into like that was about 10 people last year yeah yeah cornerback's pretty known commodity it's the safeties that i would have questions about right just because of their their use in this defense Mm -hmm. um you have, obviously, you've got Hooker over the top trying to prevent keep a cap on the top of the defense so the, the opposing team is going to have struggle to pass the ball over the top. And then you have your strong safeties that can come up and, and make plays both in the short passing game and in the run game. Uh, and that because of that, those guys get injured more often, so it's a little more questionable. So let's start. We'll just run through. Uh, how, how does our cornerback room look? So the cornerback room is interesting. You're going to have some – some tough cuts there. Um, I, I've got right now um, Pierre Desir, uh, Rock Yassine, uh, Kenny Moore, 
uh, Marvell Tell and Quincy Wilson as the five guys that I expect to make the roster. So five five guys that I think are locks to make the roster. And Marvell Tell is kind of the guy that you're like, hey, he's he could actually like stick in the NFL, right? Yeah, he could play in the NFL, but he also has that position flexibility to play either corner or safety. And so I think that the Colts really like that about him. They really so, like that in general, right? Like if you really look mm-hmm. at Chris Ballard's regime here that he's put together uh, in the fourth Reich, um, if you really think about it, it's versatility across the board. Utility is important. Like having guys that fill a, a variety of roles as opposed to the the straight line running, uh, running back, the, the power back, like the traditional, uh, he has a single purpose role. It's, it's probably better to have a little more versatility across the board. So that's that's what we're kind of looking at at cornerback is that from my perspective, you have at least three guys I'm confident in their man coverage ability and then two guys that are just rangy that if you mm-hmm. need you need to play zone and you need guys that can just eat up a bunch of space in the in the secondary, uh, we've got that in spades. So well, and then a, looking at the other options at cornerback, so you've got five there that I think are, are pretty solid options and then you've got some other guys that are borderline like bubble guys like Jalen Collins and Chris Milton and Nate Hairston are are three guys that could easily make this roster but could also easily be cut um Nate Hairston is actually a guy that I think might be a trade trade option um later on in the preseason that I think that you know going up to I think Chuck Pagano went up to Chicago so Nate Hairston played really well in Chuck Pagano's defense I right. think that that might be an option. Ryan Pace up in Chicago loves to make trades. So they might be open to, to training for Nate Hairston. Um, I think Jalen Collins has an opportunity to beat him out. And I think Chris Milton has that special teams ace, um, that he's such a good special teams player that he might be able to sneak on that roster as that sticks cornerback um, in order to to make it over, say, a Jalen Collins or a Nate Hairston. I think Chacal um, Taylor is is getting is going to be that that pretty easy cut there. Now okay. the interesting thing with the cornerback position is how it pairs with the safety position. Right. So like you mentioned before, you've got Hooker as your starting free safety, Gaithers and Willis as your strong safeties. I think that they could keep six corners and four safeties. Okay. And the interesting thing with the safety position is you've got um, Matthias Farley. And then George Odom, that I think one of those two guys is going to get kept. Um, I don't think both. I think they're going to cut Derek Kendred, even though they just claimed him from Cleveland. And then I think they're also going to cut Isaiah Johnson and uh, uh, Roland Milligan, who I don't think really have a lot of of opportunity to make the roster. I think that the Colts brass in general are very high on George Odom, but they also love Farley's ability to be a leader in the locker room. And they just and so, took, they just took Willis, so you got to give him an opportunity too. So Hooker, exactly, Hooker gather Hooker gathers are probably your starters. And, Will, and Willis, Willis is going to step in. And then I think they're going to keep one of Matthias Farley or George Odom if they keep them both. And then the reason why I think they only keep one of them is because they've got Marvell Tell who can come in and play that that safety position if needed. And so I think they'll only keep one of Farley or Odom, and then they'll be able to keep either Collins or Milton at the cornerback position. Mm-hmm. And it's one of those things where it's really a numbers game. Like, it is. Depending on, on how training camp goes and, and where the, there might be possible injuries, you could see them having to 
keep an extra wide receiver because, you know, say somebody like strains a calf. And so they've got to keep an extra wide receiver. So they have to take a, a player from somewhere else. And yeah. so in my mind, that's probably they're going to take a player from somewhere else. They're probably going to take it from the offensive line, from the linebacker position or from the defensive backfield. And like, I, I just don't know where these guys are ending up. My gut tells me that they'll probably try to keep on, keep a hold of Jalen Collins just because he's more talented. Um, but my head tells me they're probably going to keep Chris Milton because he's such a great special teams player. Okay. And then this will be the, really the only endorsement I really give. I'm a Matthias Farley fan. Um, he's shown flashes. He's had some series. Uh, I think I said this last year in my post game where, you know, I try to watch uh, who makes the play on defense. And Matthias Farley is one of those players that I, I want to say it was the Cincinnati game where he uh, had a pass defended on first down, a tackle for a loss on second down, uh, made a tackle for a short gain on, on third down, and then got him out of there. And you think about um, guys like Darius Leonard that rack up tons of tackles that they're always in on the play. Guys like Matthias Farley play that smart football where they're always just right there. So I get it. It's a crowd. It's a crowded. It's a crowded uh, position group. But guys like Matthias Farley, to me, just have that have shown that flash where if they can stay healthy and if they can actually get on the field and make a difference, they're capable of making a variety of plays, which, again, feeds to that whole versatility argument. Um, and then, of course, we we could talk about, you know, our, our real core special teamers. Um, we've got Adam and Terry and we've got um, Rigoberto Sanchez, our punter, and then was Luke, Luke Rhodes, right, as our, as our long snapper. So. Uh, there you have it. In a, in a roundabout fashion, all we really did today was talk about known unknown quantity. Uh, can these, you know, these two three guys at, at these position groups? Are, this is what we're really what we're really battling for. Uh, is is just a handful of roster spots. This is a crowded team in terms of talent. A very young team and, and, a, and a team full of uh, versatile players. So I'd be real interested to see uh, how training, obviously how training camp and, and, and the preseason kind of evolves for us. Uh, it was interesting to me today that you pointed out like a couple players that hey this guy actually be like a good trade bait like this this is a good this is a good enough player to to play maybe not a good enough player to make the team and that makes him valuable to somebody else because you know we always have it the best here that's that's the way you try to look at it anyways we we're gonna keep the best players so like those other players there's there's only a couple of those guys that are really gonna get a legitimate shot on another team right yeah and and honestly like there's some some positions that you know for example the defensive backs that the Colts have or the defensive line, those guys I could see whoever gets cut getting an opportunity somewhere else. Um, right. You know, in the wide receiver position, maybe um, those guys get a chance to catch on elsewhere. Uh, but I think that defensive line position and that that defensive back position, somebody's going to get cut that that another team is going to want. Right, and then that, that guy's gonna play, and that'll be and that'll be a guy that's on another team that you're like, hey, that guy was a Colt. That's cool, man. Like mm-hmm. he's actually out, he's out there doing thing. So yeah, and that's what Chris Ballard just said all along is that the real, true, true showing of of how you're building a franchise is if you you cut players, other teams want them, right? And, and they're getting picked up, they're getting claimed off waivers, and so it it really just shows how great Chris Ballard has been in terms of building this roster and, and filling it with talent. Um, not just talent that fits the system, but talent that can succeed in the NFL. Right. Right. 
And now, so we kind of went through the entire roster, and then to close it out today, I want to point out a couple things. First, you're going to see a lot of Stampy Blue uh, staff at training camp this year, and if you recognize us, I mean, I don't know that I'll be there. I got a lot of a lot of things going on, and obviously, uh, you're not in Indiana, um, but uh, you should see. 10 or more uh, uh, Stampy Blue staff members at training camp. So feel free to say hi. I know for a fact, like Brett, Faraz Majid, I know like got a lot of guys going to be there. Uh, so please say hi. Zach it's, Hicks it's is going to be there. Zach Hicks is going to be season. there. He's a, he's a fan favorite. Um, you know, I love obviously everybody, but Chris Shepard is one of the guys I really love. I, I'd love to see any of y'all uh, if, if we could get it, make it happen. But uh, training camp should be a blast. The Colts are really, fan, have really become uh, what I would call like a, publicly friendly right like so as opposed to like the closed off versions of past colts teams this team's really like community focused and they're getting out there and they're getting right in front of your face you're getting to meet your heroes uh which they say frequently don't do um but and you get uh, to see it behind the scenes which is really cool because they're the colts uh colts.com and their colts production company is also doing uh some behind the scenes work at training camp as well so you're going right. to be able to see some of that uh which is it's really cool and it's really unique to the Colts that they're allowing fans to really kind of look behind the curtain to get to know your franchise and get to know your players and really form that connection, that bond with the team as yeah. a whole, rather than, you know, before, you know, Bill Polian was, was great. Um, but like Colts fans love Peyton Manning because of what he did on the field. You never really got to see that behind the scenes. Now you do with this, this regime and it, it it really kind of puts everything in such a unique perspective and really a, a cool opportunity for fans to, to get the get behind the scenes and really kind of see what's going on and learn to love these players for who they are as people and not necessarily just what they do on the field. All right. So with that said, thank you, Stephen, for meeting with me today and talking with me about this and, and we'll make sure we, we get this up for you. And like I said, look, got a lot, of, a lot of awesome content coming out of Pipeline. There's certainly other podcasts on the website. So uh, we'll go ahead and wrap this bad boy up. And, and, brother, we'll get together next week and talk, okay? Sounds good. Have a great week, everybody. Enjoy Colts Camp if you're going. Remember, go to Colts.com to get your tickets to go. It's free, but you got to mm-hmm. go to Colts.com and get your ticket there first. All right. And there we go. That'll be the end there, brother.